You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome back to the Lynx Golf Podcast. This is digital editor Al Lunsford with Lynx. Oak Hill Country Club in Rochester, New York is about as classic as it gets for golf in America. Established in 1901, it, it has the history, it has the championship pedigree, it's got a great clubhouse, and I had the chance to visit Oak Hill over the past couple of days. My publisher, Jack Purcell, actually grew up playing Oak Hill in Pittsburgh, New York, and it was his first time back since the 1970s. The site of his only hole in one, so there's, there was a lot of anticipation coming back to Oak Hill. Of course, that's not the only reason. Oak Hill has hosted six major championships, three U.S. Opens, three PGA Championships. Most recently, Jason Duffner won the 2013 PGA Championship there. It also hosted the 1995 Ryder Cup. And the other reason for our visit was Oak Hill underwent a 10-month restoration project that was completed in May of 2020 by architect Andrew Green, who you may know did the restoration at Inverness. He's currently working on Congressional's Blue Course as well, but he also spent some time here at Oak Hill restoring the East Course, which is the course that's hosted all these major tournaments, to its Donald Ross roots. Now, there had been some changes over the years, well-publicized and and not very well-received in some senses, but ahead of its next major appearance, the membership at Oak Hill wanted to take the golf club back to the original Donald Ross routing. There had been a few holes that had changed at the hands of George and Tom Fazio, so Andrew Green comes in and looks back at the original drawings, reworks hole 5, 6, and 15, That's where the most notable changes will be seen for anyone who remembers that course or has played that course. But also a lot of work on the greens, creating a lot of new pin positions. You see a lot of changes within the bunkers where the backside of the bunkers have raised their faces up. And we're going to be showcasing Oak Hill this fall as our classic course in the fall 2021 issue. To detail all the updates at Oak Hill... I had the chance to sit down with Oak Hill Superintendent Jeff Corcoran, who worked very closely with Andrew Green in making all of these changes and updates. Up next, you'll hear my conversation with Jeff from inside the clubhouse at Oak Hill. And afterwards, I'll tell you some of my favorite parts about this historic golf club. Coming to you live from the trophy room inside the clubhouse at Oak Hill Country Club, um, in Pittsford, New York, right, just outside of Rochester, um, with the golf course superintendent here at Oak Hill, Jeff Corcoran. Jeff, thank you for joining me this morning uh, over a cup of coffee and conversation about the restoration of the East Course. Um, we're surrounded right now by the the major trophies that represent the tournaments that have been hosted here at Oak Hill. Just first off, 
how long have you been here and what's it like to, to work at such a historic club? Yeah, well, thanks for having me this morning, first of all. And, um, you know, working at Oak Hill, every once in a while you have to pinch yourself. You know, it's, uh, it's got a very esteemed history. It goes without saying, you know, hosted every men's major rotating championship. And uh, just being on this 350 acres every day, you find yourself lucky. Sometimes you take it for granted. You know, you're kind of busy doing your work every day and you kind of miss your surroundings and you're so focused on what you're doing. But there are those days where you open your eyes and you're like, wow, this is a pretty special place to be every day. Of course. And it's set to host the 2023 PGA. 2027 U.S. Amateur was announced recently and it's hosted six other majors, 95 Ryder Cup. Um, so it's certainly a very storied place. Uh, we are here because in May of last year, in 2020, a 10-month restoration was completed on the East Course here, which has hosted all those major tournaments uh, at the hands of Andrew Green. Jeff was intimately involved in that as well. Um, so let's just start there. Let's, can you break down and give me a synopsis of the work that was done on the East Course to, to bring it back to its Donald Ross roots. Yeah, just a, a brief synopsis as far as the scope of work, we'll call it. The, um, you know, it started off with, uh, with working with our architect of record, Andrew Green, who was awesome during the course of the whole project. Andrew, um, we really set out to do the bunkers on the East Course is really kind of where we were focusing on first. and. And then that kind of blossomed into, hey, we might as well take a look at these greens because we, we'd lost a lot of cupping area over the years. Slopes were kind of getting untenable in some areas where, you know, we were lost a lot of cupping area. And then that went into, okay, hey, we need to do some tea work. If we're gonna do the greens, we also need to do a lot of tree work. And with the bunkers, we need to do a lot of tree work. Uh, removals primarily for, you know, playability, shot value, agronomics, I mean, you name it, um, we took down trees for multi-purposes. And then also, uh, as we got further into the project, it was like, we're going to do a lot of work at Oak Hill. It just, it doesn't make sense to not address 5, 6, and 15. And, you know, for those that don't know, 5, 6, and 15 and 18 really were the four primary holes that uh, George and Tom Fazio worked on prior to the 1980 PGA. And um, if you read any golf course architecture books that Oak Hill historically had been kind of vilified for five, six, and 15, you know? Uh, so that fell into the scope. So at the end of the day, we ended up, you know, really kind of doing what Andrew had keyed as a sympathetic restoration to Oak Hill Country Club, the East Course. And, you know, when we took a look at it, it was, um, we really wanted to make sure that uh, we addressed a few core issues. One is that we wanted to make sure that we were sympathetic to the original Ross design, but also we had to take into mind you know, today's modern game, you know, as far as distance, yardage, things of that nature. Uh, we also wanted to make sure that it was a playable golf course for our membership and not just focus on difficulty for a championship that might roll around every five to 10 years. And then, uh, you know, we wanted to make sure that we put back some of that character that, that was original to the Ross design. Mm -hmm. And what has been the initial feedback from your members so far. I know, you know, tree removal is a hot button topic. Um, 
but and I was looking at some some books, some historical artifacts that Tim Thaney had with him, and um, you see the denseness of the trees, and now it's kind of wide open. You have all these beautiful vistas. Mm-hmm. Um, how have the members received the changes? I think it, it varies from member to member. You know, um, everybody has their own purview on trees and you know what a golf course could look like there's some people that you know want to walk down a golf hole and not see anybody next to them then you have other people that um, are more inclined to like those vistas and views I think overall general reception has been positive Uh, as you know tree removal is a hot button topic and and it wasn't just during this restoration you know Oak Hill was severely overplanted and uh, the fact that uh, it just didn't happen overnight there was 20 years of tree removal that we did on the east course yeah. and i think it it was so overplanted that you know within just in the last five years it got to the point where you're like that oh my god moment where you can start seeing the american flag from different places on the golf course you know we prior to the renovation is that the american flag that's on 13 which is you know um for the most part, our, one of our signature holes here, I mean, it was buried in a bunch of trees. You couldn't even see the American flag. And then all of a sudden we started doing some tree removal, opening up these views and you could see the American flag from the fourth hole, which is on the, one of the furthest ends of the property, which was pretty cool. And uh, the membership, you know, there's some people that, that love the trees, you know, and there's, they were born and raised at Oak Hill Country Club and it's a drastic change for them. Um, Craig Harmon, who was our long-term golf pro came back up this summer he's like, Jeff, he goes, this is beautiful. He goes, you know, but for somebody that was here for 40 years, he goes, it's just vastly different than, than what I remember in, in, you know, the golf course that I played for a long time. So you, you have that contrast with uh, different personalities and, and people's different preferences on what they like to see. Yeah, and that's going to happen. I mean, anytime you're, you're going through changes, um, there are traditionalists. And then, but, but I think once people kind of walk out here and see – finished work it's like well this this was worth it yeah Um, and i and i agree with you to that point that you know um somebody that walks in off the street that might not play oak hill every day they're like wow this is spectacular you know the person that has played it every day for the last 30 years it's a different perspective you know and it's home you know what i mean it's like you do a renovation in your house you know yeah yeah certain things you miss uh so why was andrew green the the guy for the job yeah, you know, so um, I've known Andrew and uh, his brother for a long time. And so when Oak Hill was in the market for looking for a golf course architect, uh, our architectural review committee here at Oak Hill sat down and, you know, essentially developed a list of names of who that they potentially would like to work with. And, you know, a lot of the names were the typicals, you know, Cor Crenshaw, Tom Doak, you know, um, and for a lot of different reasons that some of those weren't available. You know, I think Gil Hans, you know, we placed a phone call to and, I, and he was in Rio at the time, um, mm-hmm. you know, working on the Olympic golf course. And, uh, you know, people were busy with other projects. Cork Crenshaw wasn't focusing on renovation anymore, new projects. And Andrew had done some really good work down at Saucon Valley. He was a little bit not the uh, known quantity at the time. Um, Andrew came up and gave a presentation of master plan and he's one of those guys you get him in the room and get him talking about um, history architecture you know digging up information going to golf house going to the Tufts universe or the Tufts uh, archive he blew the 
the architectural review committee away. And I think at that point he sold them that this is the guy that we want to work on this golf course. Cause one, he's available. He's going to be on property every day. Um, he is a, uh, a golf history, golf architecture junkie. And yeah. he, uh, he really came across with a, a certain amount of energy to, that he was going to be the best guy to represent Oak Hill as far as the East course is concerned. And, uh, true to form he did a he did a great job and um i don't think the project would have been the same obviously if we chose something somebody else yeah and he did a recently he did a restoration at inverness right which is another donald ross yeah so he did inverness prior to oak hill um i think that you know we were on the slate for to do the work in 2018 and because we held the 2019 senior pga championship we had to move that date so inverness actually got done before us where it wasn't supposed to. So it gave the, um, some of the members an opportunity to look at Inverness and see Andrew's work. And that even um, reaffirmed their choice in Andrew. And you know, obviously since then, Andrew's done a bunch of other uh, notable work. I mean, he's working at Scioto right now. He did the renovation at, uh, at Congressional. So um, we were lucky to catch Andrew at the time we caught him and we're, we're glad to have him on board as architect of record. Yeah, there's a great like 14 minute long video, a comprehensive rundown of the restoration that I would encourage people to, to look up and uh, see Andrew with his hand in the dirt and getting all that stuff done. And you're right there lockstep with him. Um, in terms of those specific five, six and 15 holes that he worked on, I, I played the West yesterday, but mm-hmm. we drove around and, and saw the East. Uh, 15, I think is just eye-popping now um and i i believe it was the fazios that added the did they add the pond that was there that's no longer there um yeah it's back to the postage stamp that is correct so 15 actually used to be a very short uphill par three in the original ross routing um it, it maybe played 100 110 yards and you know Prior to the ADPGA, George and Tom obviously wanted to focus on that hole because they, they felt it was weak. And so they created this about a, I would say, 160, 170-yard par 3 that was very unross-like at the time. I mean, they had bunkers that kind of floated above the green. They created a pond with a rock wall. And, you know, speaking with a lot of people that have played Oak Hill and even myself when I first played Oak Hill was that, you know, you play one great opening hole, you play two, three, this great par three, you play four, and then you'd come to five and you're like, whoa, something's different. And then you play six and you're like, this is different. And then you hop on the seventh and you're like, okay, I'm back to the Ross golf course. And you play seven, eight, nine, and then you go all the way to 14 and then you get to 15. You're like, you got a pond and a rock wall. And then 16, 17, and 18 are, are feel pretty good or feel pretty reminiscent of a Ross golf course. Um, so those four, three or four holes, I guess, five, six, and 15 in particular, just always felt different, you know, um, especially to people that had never played Oak Hill before. Yeah. And if even if you take a look at, like, some of the comments and quotes from the players uh, in the 1980 PGA, and some of those guys had played Oak Hill in the 68 Open, um, they're like, they weren't very complimentary, uh, 
comments in regards to 5, 6, and 15. I think Jack Nicholas said something to the uh, to the ilk of uh, that you have, you know, 14 great Ross holes and, you know, four Fazio holes. You know what I mean? So it was that distinct even back then. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's uh, interesting. So what are what's another hole that I know six now stands out and Tim was saying that that's a like Andrew in his head that's his hardest hole that he put out on the course what's another hole that that sticks out to you you mentioned 13 is is very almost a signature hole um that really you know screams Donald Ross and and is just a hole that sticks out in your brain that you love yeah you know for me out here one of the things that I've always loved about Oak Hill is I love the short par fours. If you take a look at, you know, 12 and 14, those are just two really cool holes that, you know, when you step up to the tee, you have a lot of different choices of what you want to do, especially in today's game where, you know, people can reach those holes with a driver. Or some people can, you know, I mean, the, the top 1%, but you still have to, you have to think and navigate the hole off the tee. And that, and if you miss the green with, say, whether it's a eight iron down to a sand wedge, you're in a lot of trouble. So you kind of have to think your way through it, depending on where the pin placement is, you know. Um, and you know, there's there's trouble if you go short. There's trouble if you go long. Uh, the the short par fours have always been some of my favorites here at Oak Hill. Yeah, the West, another Donald Ross design. What about that course? I know it's it looks a lot friendlier. Um, for the membership, it's shorter. Uh, why does that? Why is that the perfect complement to this championship caliber East Course? I think when you step up to the first tee, of the East Course, you're playing a you know a top twenty, top twenty five golf club in the country, and you know you're going to be tested. And um, you get done with eighteen holes on the East Course, and and you're tired. On the the West Course, you know it gives our membership an opportunity to play something that maybe they can score a little bit better on. It's a little friendlier. It's friendlier for a variety of skill levels and age sets. And, you know, the difference being is that, you know, it, it seems to me is that if you miss a fairway on the West course by five yards to the right or five yards to the left is that you're still playing for par. On the East course, it seems like if you miss five yards to the right or the left, you know, if you walk away with a bogey, you're doing pretty good. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just a little bit more forgiving. That being said, uh, you know, if you take a look at the greens complexes on the West course, they're extremely varied with a lot of slope. They're fun. The membership likes that. You know what I mean? You get the greens rolling at a, a decent clip on the West course, and it's like, hold on. Uh, and it just has a lot of uh, different characteristics than the East course. That being said, that there is a pretty cool dichotomy. If you go to the West course, you can see that you know, we do need to do more tree removal on the West course. It kind of gives you a little bit of a flavor of what the East course used to be like, you yeah. know, and um, we might not be as aggressive on the West, but we are going to focus some efforts on the West course as we go forward. Do you have a timeline for that? I wouldn't say point? necessarily a timeline in, I think primarily because we have the 23 championship coming up and then we, um, we announced obviously 27 here within the past year. Uh, U.S. Amateur that will be hosted on both the East and the West. You know, ideally, we'd like to do some work on the West course prior to 27, but um, we also have to be cognizant that, you know, when we have a championship that our membership needs an outlet course to be able to play 
and uh, the West Course is a perfect complement for that. Yeah, sure. So overall, just looking towards 2023 and how the, the golf course will play for the professionals, what, what are some of the defining characteristics and, and what is someone going to need to do well uh, to win that tournament? So, you know, part of our construction was based upon being able to provide firm greens, you know, I don't want to say no matter what the weather conditions, but if we have a half inch of rain, having that uh, not impact the playability of the greens. So the greens would definitely be firmer. Obviously, we hope that uh, they can be a little bit faster. Um, We've navigated some of the slopes. I think that, you know, some of these guys that maybe played here in 2013 and they come back in 2023. One, obviously, you know, five, six, and 15 goes without saying they're gonna be different holes, but also two, there's pin placements out there that people haven't seen since, you know, God, since Donald Ross actually put the golf course together, you know, because you can see from aerial photos, even in the 50s after RTJ did some work prior to the 56 Open is that, you know, like back right, back left, front right, front left pin placements weren't there. So, you know, proximity to hazards, proximity to bunkers, bunker depth has definitely changed. And um, in the landing areas, you know, you know, to modernize, to modernize to today's game, you know, some of those fairway bunkers are obviously in different positions. And then, you know, length, obviously we added length to a number of holes out on the golf course. So I think it's actually going to be a vastly different golf course than what they played in 2013. That goes without saying, but some of the intrinsic stuff is, you know, pin placements and proximity to hazards where we can cup stuff, uh, in the green surface themselves are going to be vastly different than what they played here. So, yeah. Shot values too, you know, from a standpoint of, uh, you know, the tree removal. I mean, that that adds a different uh, dynamic. You know, uh, some of our roll off areas that go into Allen's Creek, and it's just it's just way different. And it'll be interesting to see how they play it and see what the scores are. Yeah. You know, do you, do you see any Jason Duffner sixty threes out there? <laughs> uh, I certainly hope not. Um, <laughs> you never know with these guys, though. I mean, it's I mean. It, the progression, even as far as how far people have hit it in 2013 versus 2023 is, is so dramatic. You know, I remember, you know, talking with Paul Latchaw, the previous superintendent, and they did a, uh, a bunker renovation prior to the 2003 PGA. And I came here and I was here, I was volunteering during the tournament in on the eighth hole, I watched a number of people hit it in the fairway bunkers on number eight. And I remember in about 2007, 2008, I was driving out of Oak Hill for a member event and the long drive was 25 yards past those bunkers. And it's just watching the evolution of where people are hitting the ball today versus where they hit the ball, you know, 10 years ago. It's, it's just crazy. So, you know, it's hard to keep up from a standpoint of golf course architecture and, you know, that difficulty level. So it's, uh, it'll be interesting in 2023 to see where these guys are at. Yeah. That, that was a fun thing yesterday. I, my, our publisher at links, Jack Purcell grew up playing out here mm-hmm. and we were going through the West course and he was talking about different holes, like six, I think the long par five. Yep. That's like, used to be a big thing when we would clear that second hill and the second shot and yeah. just, it's crazy how, you know, that's so much easier 
today, it's almost like an, an afterthought. If you don't get past that hill, you're that is correct. In trouble. But yep. um, just going back to the historical element of this place, and then this is the last thing I'll ask you. Um, a lot of people, in the same way Jack did and, and Tim, have grown up around here. There's a, a certain pride and a lot of history just in the membership as well. Does that, you think, factor into the, the restoration in that they're so prideful about this club and then they want it to be everything it was when the first people were coming through here? Yeah, you know, this, um, you know, one of the reasons I've been here for as long as I have is that, that we have a wonderful membership. I mean, just a great group of people that are extremely prideful and you see the time and effort that the membership puts into Oak Hill Country Club um, on a strictly volunteer basis. And for some of them, it ends up being more like a full-time job or a part-time job. Uh, and so you see that, you know, when we have a, a group of members, the Architecture Review Committee and we have our Board of Governors and our Grants Committee, but the Architecture Review Committee was really the core group that um, that handled the day-to-day stuff with the, with the East Course restoration and, and you can see it we went out and we were taking a look at green compounds um, prior to finish grade and just the amount of detail and they're like hey we, you know we can't we can't lose this cupping area or, or you know uh, hey Jeff this this needs to kind of stay the same way this is a cool feature I mean you, they just have intimate knowledge and they love this place and uh, they have so much pride when events do come to Oak Hill but also too pride when uh, they're bringing out three guests or college buddies or whoever it might be to, to play the East course, you know? Um, so that carries into everything you do from a renovation standpoint. And, you know, you can talk about major championships all you want. A lot of what we did in regards to the East course renovation was for the membership. Yeah. And, you know, there are the people that go out and play every day. I think Jack Nicholas had a great quote one time um, during an interview for the Memorial was that, you know, you know, for these championships and tour players, you go out and you make bunkers deeper, you make the golf course more difficult. But at the end of the day, you have to remember there's there's a whole group of people that have to play this golf course every day, and you have to be mindful of that. If not, you you get a really myopic viewpoint on on what the purpose of Oak Hill Country Club is for. You know, we have hosted all these majors, but we have a membership that that needs to play out here. They love this place and they want to play out here. And uh, they too, they take a lot of pride in it. So that was our main focus, making sure that we provided a better product for them. And as an ancillary part that, yes, we're going to be hosting the world's best golfers and we need to be mindful of that. But our main focus is the membership. Certainly. Yeah. And that'll be on full display here in a couple of years. And it'll be a great little celebration in the next decade at Oak Hill. So. Yeah. We're looking forward to it. And we're glad that you guys get to get out there today and, uh, be interesting to hear what you have to say afterwards. Sounds good. All right. Well, thank you for your time. You bet. Take care. A special thanks again to Jeff Corcoran for joining me on the podcast and to everyone there at Oak Hill that made us feel so welcome while we were there. All of the hospitality. It was really a treat to fly up to Rochester and see this country club that's going to be the site of, again, the 2023 PGA Championship, and then you've got the 2027 U.S. Amateur that's going to be played on both courses. The country club itself, I would say the words that come to mind are familial atmosphere. It seems like everybody knows everyone and knows everyone's dad and, and mom and all the relatives. It's 
a club that membership is a family fair and has been part of a lot of families in that Rochester, Pittsford area for a long, long time. It's a fairly easy place to get to from the Rochester airport. You've got about a 15-minute drive to the country club. You have to drive through a few neighborhoods to get in there, and, and it's, it's back amongst a quaint suburban area. Right when you turn in, you drive past the new fifth hole and new fifth green, which is a bit intimidating. It's raised up about, I'd say, three feet, a good yard from the, the rest of the ground, and you really catch a glimpse of the work that they've done And you can actually see it because there are several trees that have been removed. I think previously your view was kind of limited of the golf course right when you turned in at the entrance, but now it's it's wide open and you can see five and then six. What an intimidating tee shot six is. They can can back this thing up to a 500-yard par four that you have to play over Allen Creek, which winds around a lot of the east course. I think it's nine of the 18 holes that the creek comes into play. The clubhouse is just awesome. It's vintage. It looks like you plucked it right out of the Victorian era. And history just exudes right out of that thing. There, I mean, there are so many. I've never seen so many plaques and names and pictures. And there's memorabilia everywhere. They have a fantastic trophy room where I recorded the podcast with Jeff that has all the trophies in it. The Ryder Cup, the U.S. Open, the U.S. Amateur. Every single trophy is in there from every event they've hosted. And they've got a nice little video board in there where you can watch clips from all these events. A couple cool things at the clubhouse. Downstairs they have a full-sized eight-lane bowling alley that I guess Jack was saying was popular in his day and, and is still very popular today. Great place for birthday parties, and then they have men's leagues and women's leagues that still play down there. Apparently, there's a couple members that are 300 shooters. The men's locker room is like none that I've ever seen before. It's actually two-tiered, and they have an opening in the top tier to where you can look down in the bottom, and there's probably 500, 600 or so lockers in there. It's just so old school. It's It doesn't feel old, but it feels like... It's been there for a while, and, and you get a sense while walking around that that's what the membership enjoys is this feeling of something that's been passed down for generations and something familiar. The general camaraderie of the entire place is something that's evident right away. Lots of hellos and how are yous, people walking around and, and seeing people that they could have seen the day before, they could have seen, in Jack's case, for years at a time, but picking up right where they left off. You also drive by a paddle tennis center, which Jack again said was very popular. The driving range, you can only hit about 260 yards, but they have some limited flight balls if you want to hit driver. Putting green's big right there. Everything just feels big and feels important. You know you've stepped somewhere that has a distinct place in the game of golf right when you pull in. We were a little delayed getting there. We were supposed to start playing have lunch and start playing on the West Course at about 2 o'clock on a Wednesday. We didn't get out there until about 4 o'clock, but we're able to zip around and play a twilight round on the West. Also, Donald Ross, it's it's a lot friendlier than the East, and that's pretty evident. You can see over to the East Course and see some of the, the difficulties that aren't presented really on the West, specifically the bunkers. You can tell right away that the East Course is going to present a little bit more challenge. The West doesn't have any of those big lips to navigate. Everything's pretty straightforward. It does have a lot more trees on it, and from what you can tell, it's it's kind of a glimpse into what 
the east course used to be. I was told all the greens, or most of the greens, sloped back to front, uh, and they can really get them going in member events. There were several cases where they'd show you if you, if you land it here, if you put it here, and it's going way, way past, and, and it's going back down the hill of those Donald Ross false fronts. I love the rolling hills on the west course, the, the east course too, but the, the west has some very, very cool holes that particularly the sixth hole is, is like a, a roller coaster almost. The members we played with said back in the day that getting it past the second roll in the sixth hole, that was the, the big deal when you were a kid. And even though now it seems like more of an afterthought, it's a very cool visual. And you have a lot of greens pitched right into the size of these hills. One of the features that was noticeable right away that you saw on both courses were these hummocks, these little humps and mounds that create a little bit of defense where they're Unless you don't have a, if you don't have a bunker there or, or some sort of hazard, which Ross doesn't use much water as it is, but it creates a different dynamic, a different path to the hole. If you miss the fairway, you could be presented with an awkward lie on these things. I understand, and and Jeff mentioned it too, that the West Course may have some work done on it in the years to come. It's going to be played and seen at the 2027 U.S. Amateur, so it'll be interesting to see what they do with that course. But I know the membership loves the West. It's a great compliment. It provides a bit of a relaxed feel versus the extremely challenging East course. Wednesday nights in the summer is apparently a good time to be at Oak Hill. They have this event called the Wednesday Night Cookout. It's men's night, so it was a very active back patio. Uh, Lots of good food, good storytelling, and, and camaraderie around the patio that overlooks the 18th holes of both the West and the East. That's another cool thing. The 18th of both courses is is somewhat parallel to each other and finishing at the same spot. So it's a great place to have a little dinner and, and watch some groups come in and finish. After a good night's rest, it was off to the East course in the morning. We'd been anticipating this round. This is a course that's ranked 20th in the country by Golf Digest. Like I said, noticeable features are these big bunker faces a lot of elevation change. It's wide open now that they've removed a lot of trees. They've kept a lot of trees strategically, though, and there are run-ups to a lot of the greens, but a lot less so than what you saw on the west course. A lot of the greens on the east course are pitching up a hill over a set of thick rough and bunkers, and you know, you're hoping it plays soft because going over these greens is another steep challenge. I love playing a course that when you go there, it has names for every hole. It's something that kind of sticks with you. Oak Hill has a lot of great hole names that have a few great backstories to them as well. I'll start with number one. It's called Challenge. Bobby Jones coming in to play this course called it the most challenging first hole he's ever faced. Thus, the name challenge. Number two is called Breather. Three, you've got Vista. Four, the high and mighty is the long par five before you get into the stretch of holes that have changed up a little bit. Next to the fairway on four, you'll find a plaque in reference to the former site of the sixth green, which played as a par three in the Fazio's routing. Now the fifth green is the par three known as Little Poison. So in 1989, at the 89th U.S. Open Championship, the sixth hole was the site of one of the more impossible feats and rarest moments in golf history. I'll read a little bit from a plaque that's inside the clubhouse, uh, the story of four aces. 
During the first two hours of Friday's second round, Doug Weaver, Mark Wiebe, Jerry Pate, and Nick Price all carded a hole-in-one on the 167-yard par-3 sixth hole. An astounding feat when you consider that in the 88 previous U.S. Opens, there had been only 17 holes-in-one, let alone four on the same day and at the same hole. A mathematician calculated the likelihood of four aces at the same hole on the same day at 410 quadrillion to one. That's 410 and then five sets of zeros afterwards. The evening before, when executive director of rules and competitions for the USGA, P.J. Boatwright, and USGA championship agronomist Tim Morrigan were selecting the next day's hole location, they chose the funneled front right lobe of the sixth hole. Walking away, one said to the other, that could be a hole in one spot. To which the other replied, maybe more than one. If they intended to create some Friday excitement, they certainly succeeded. So the sixth is now a hole that can play at 500 yards, a par four, called Double Trouble, because you've got a very tough tee shot with water on the right, Allen Creek protruding in, and then you've got probably a long iron. I had some 200 yards on my second shot in on this par four. It now stands as the toughest hole on the course. Seven is Creek's Elbow. Eight, you've got Wayside. Nine, Needle's Eye going back up towards the clubhouse. Ten, going back away, is called Council Grove. Eleven is Creekside. Twelve is Leaning Oak. The member I played with, Tim Thaney, has said there's this Leaning Oak uh, held up by a big wrought iron beam uh, on the right side of this hole that has been there since he was a kid. Thirteen is the signature hole at Oak Hill. It's called Hill of Fame. It's a par four off the tee. You need about 300 to clear Allen Creek in the distance. Then you go back up a hill towards the clubhouse, framed at almost in in a funnel, um, half pipe type of shape up towards the green. And the shelves on 13, I think, were some of the most severe that I remember seeing on the East Course. You've got to put the ball in the right place based on the whole location to have a friendly first putt. 14 Bunker Hill is going to be one of the most exciting holes you'll see in 2023. All the way back, it plays 320, and it's kind of a a downhill then uphill hole. Three massive bunkers guarding the front edge of a green pitched up, elevated on top of a hill, and there's runoff all the way down behind the green, which is rough right now, but I understand they possibly could cut that down to make going for it more of a risk. in this risk-reward scenario. 15, the plateau, is the most significant change you'll see. The Fazios had put in a pond to the right of 15 green when you're looking at the green from the tee, and it just didn't really fit Ross's original vision, didn't really fit the rest of the course. So that has gone back uh, and been filled in by, by grass pitched up and returned to this hourglass-shaped green and a... Uh, a postage stamp that missing the green there is going to prove tricky to come up and down and and come away with par. But it's a short hole. I've got it at 160 from the silver tees. Probably will play a little bit longer for the professionals. 16 is called straightaway. 17 is called twin tees because 17T of the east course is right next to 15T of the west course. Uh, parallel, but 15 of the west goes left, 17 of the east goes right, and 18 going home. 
I've talked to several colleagues and, and friends since my round, and I'm kind of surprised to hear that not many people are that familiar with Oak Hill. I think it's one of the more overlooked major venues, and maybe that's just a small sample size, but to me, I don't feel like it gets talked about a lot. I hope that changes because the work that Andrew Green has done there is superb. I think once people see it again in a major championship, it will really return to the forefront of people's minds as as one of those classic major championship venues that is due a lot of respect and admiration. I loved playing it. I think people will love watching it, and there's going to be a lot of great opportunities to to view lots of holes. The vistas now are are really spectator friendly, and I know the membership is proud of the work is, that has been done. It's tough. We'll see what happens. From the blue tees I played, the rating was 80.9, so I was getting six shots on top of my handicap, essentially. So keep Oak Hill on your radar. Keep your eyes out for our piece on Oak Hill in the fall issue and some wonderful photography by Evan Schiller to go along with that. Oak Hill, just another reason that golf in the Northeast is something special. <laughs>